Welcome back to Office Hours, everybody. It's a new week, a good week, perhaps. Great week. Every a week great is a great week. week. <laughs> Let's be optimists today. <laughs> it's good. It's good. The uh, you know, it's good to be back. That's all. It's been a rough. Yeah, right? It's been a rough two weeks. It's been a lot of work. And it's nice to just sit at the mic for a minute, and make it happen. <laughs> this is my vacation, my mini vacation in the middle of a crazy work week. <laughs> I mean, this is the week. In, this is the week leading up to the holidays, the, the true beginning of the holiday season. Yeah. Well, we had. I mean, by the time this airs, it will have been Thanksgiving. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it's all downhill from here. We slide into yeah. Christmas and the uh, Hanukkah and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and then and then we get spit out into 2020. So happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, wow. to everybody. The end of the year. Ugh, it's also push. the one year anniversary of all of this. Look at that. Um, and despite all the talk uh, last episode about flying to Atlanta and having a big meetup and all that, it was just too expensive and there's not enough time. So we didn't do that. I'm in New yeah. Jersey and you're in Atlanta. There we go. Yeah. We, we, we like each other, but just not quite <laughs> that much. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't like enough. you $400 much. I mean, you know, it's I don't <laughs> even like myself $400 much. So that's, that's fair. Totally fair. <laughs> But alas, it's still office hours and we're still here and we're still trucking away. And it's, you know, what is it? It's the official podcast of 42,000 people pre-order their Cybertruck. Did you? Podcast Network. I almost hit the buy button. Did you? Ah. Well, I mean, because it's like, it's, does it, is it ugly? Absolutely. Does it, does it sound cool? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. I it's like cool. that it's a little ugly. I mean, like, doesn't every, like, I feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s, so like, do I want to drive the Blade Runner truck? Like, yeah. Dude, yes, absolutely, right? <laughs> absolutely, I do. And it has a bu- beautiful marble countertop inside of it. I saw that. <laughs> you got to get the, like, the little ATV that goes onto the back and it like charges while you're driving so, around. Wait, the- is that real? So the ATV is a Tesla ATV? Yeah, they built it just oh. for that. And like when you oh, pull it up this. onto the bed, it charges it. Shut up. Yeah, just just imagine that. Like, it's like... I wish my pickup came with a free ATV. Well, I don't think it comes with it. Let's be clear. Like, they'll find Whatever. a way to monetize that. But, like, <laughs> it's integrated, you know? Yeah, yeah. It fits. It fits. It, 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 it made it just for that. Um, ooh, also, uh, we are the, we are unofficially, mm-hmm. officially mm-hmm. sponsored now. That sounds like a fake sponsorship. It's, it's totally a fake sponsorship. I but, love it. The wonderful people at LaCroix Sparkling Water mm-hmm. have sent us some goodies. So uh, all that talk turned itself into a couple free, deliciously chilled LaCroix. That's nice. Yeah, look at that. So the mm. official un- or unofficial official beverage of the Office Hours podcast. Will you be sending me some? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> That's all I can. Well, maybe. Just maybe one. Maybe one or two. Doesn't, doesn't last long around here. So it's, Yeah, no, it's fine. How about that, though? See, talking out loud leads to stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's like a like they're like they're like pity sponsors. I'm down with that. Whatever, man. <laughs> Did anybody else get coupons for Lacroix? No, no. So, exactly. There you go. Good for you, man. See, oh. you stuck with it. You made some yeah, pictures just, for him, and it know, paid off. Long enough. Long enough. That's a- <laughs> Something about the noisy wheel. <laughs> oh man. Um, that, that actually, all of that, everything we just discussed 
the pictures that you made for LaCroix and the Cybertruck and all that beautiful stuff that we see online uh, is part of what we want to talk about this week. Yeah. The fact that uh, uh, what you see is not always what you get. <laughs> In a yes. nutshell. Yes. <laughs> um, how far is too far when it comes to retouching? And who actually gives a shit? That's the question. Now, dive deep into your souls and think about this one for a second. Mm -hmm. So if you are in this, if you're in this industry and you have a hand in the image making process, whether you are the photographer or the videographer or the cinematographer or the editor um, or the person that kind of ideates some of these things, if you're on the art direction and creative direction side, the strategy end, um, I think we all have a role to play in this. And I very much think it's a conversation that it's always been around. But I think in the past couple of years, it's really started to gain some traction and the, the, the dull roar has become slightly louder year over year. Mm -hmm. um, even now, so we're, we're really, I mean, like we're bringing this into a, a bigger venue for conversation. And I think it's one that, that people should have more, more often. Um, yeah. Because it, it, it definitely, like the opinions run across the spectrum. So um it is an interesting dilemma and an interesting question. I don't think it's always as bad as it's made out to be either. You know, you get a lot of like people who kind of, they poop on it. They're like, oh yeah, that guy just did everything in the computer. And, but, but part of photography, digital photography at this point is a computer. I mean, that's a big, it's definitely a part of it. And, and even part of analog photography. Sorry. Like if you're, if you're shooting film and scanning it, like, you now have a digital product and you can tweak it and bend it and do whatever you want with it. And that's not a bad thing, I think. You know, I think that's part of the process, you know, and just like if you were going to take negatives and make uh, darkroom prints out of them, whoever made the darkroom prints would, would do a lot of tweaking. You know, they would do a lot of color tweaking and dodging and burning and, you know, it's just, we're just talking analog versus digital at that point. Well, like in an analog process, like it's like C4, C43. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 41? when you're doing C41, thank yeah. you, see, I'm clearly. <laughs> With C41 process, I mean, you're you're changing the different variations of, of hue and chemical, like, right, to, to kind of get your colors. I mean, like that's a, that in itself is a part of it, right? Like, yeah, it's a manipulation. It's always been like, uh, you know, if you want to push film or pull film, like that's a manipulation of what it was set out to originally be. And so, you know, for the purists out there, the people who claim to be purists, the only pure thing is shooting box speed and just letting it be. Like, and that's stupid because how do you inject yourself into the the picture at that point? You know, like if it's not if it's not making the print, making the negative somehow, or making the print somehow, or tweaking it in Photoshop or Lightroom or Capture One or whatever you use, like that's part of the process and that's part of what makes it unique to you. Now, don't get me wrong; there are plenty of times that I look at a a picture and I go like, man, they really worked the hell out of that one. That looks like crap. Um, but that's still a subjective thing, right? On on our end to say like, I don't like that because it looks over-processed as opposed to somebody else might look at it and go like, man, I really like the fact that there's no pores on that picture. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole artist subjective thing, right? We've talked about that before in the past and yeah. I still think that will always carry a piece in what we do as photographers. You know, I don't, I don't think that there is any, there's not, there, there's really no true consensus on what is a good 
or what is good enough when it comes to the manipulation of an image. And I think, I don't know, like just like anything out there, there are the extremes is where like the fringes, the fridge, fringe edges of the extremes on, right. that, on that spectrum are what really drives the kind of controversial part of the argument, right? right. It's like when you see, you know, retouching that's gone f- way too far. And then what yeah. point, what is real? What is make-believe? Um, like the whole, like deep fakes on the video end, mm-hmm. if you're on that part of it, right? Like, um, or I don't know. You, you mean, because you, you even think now like computational photography, like iPhone 11 and all that stuff. Right. Like the new Pixel. Like when they're, when they're taking photographs and they're capturing that information, the ones and zeros, there's, at this point now, there's, there's algorithms that, determine what you're actually capturing and they try to improve it based on what they know about that what they've been trained to understand about those things sure and so like when you take a photo of a, a pretty blue sky or like a, a canyon or a ravine or whatever like the camera the computational part of it goes oh that's a sky i can tell by that particular hue so we're going to make that more blue more pronounced right. bring the exposure down this below here must be some kind of you know landscape so let's push the shadows, bring down the color. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. there's there's a lot of that stuff happening without you even knowing. Um, and so it's yeah, to your point, like if you really wanted the truest form of it, is it like pinhole cameras and box speed? I don't know. I don't. I don't you know, even that shit you can tweak. You know, like that, that's the whole point of it, is that you get to tweak it and make it your own. And 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 I think now it's it's easier per se, or it's more accessible to more people, which is why you're maybe hearing about the issues (laughs) or what people are considering to be issues. But, you know, I I was literally on a job last week and I had this moment where I just went like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. We'll just like, I'll fix it. It's fine. We were running out of time. You know, we had done enough and it was like, oh, this is really close, but there's this weird reflection here and I can spend 20 minutes relighting this or flagging it or whatever the hell I was going to have to do. Or, Hey, I can just like literally in less than 20 seconds clip that reflection in Photoshop and we'll be done with it. And I don't feel, I didn't feel, I should say, and client didn't feel that we were going to be misrepresenting the product in any way. It was just like, it was a time saver for us. And I didn't feel like I was cheating the system by doing that either. Like I didn't feel like, oh, I'm less of a photographer because I couldn't do this. The fact of the matter was like, I probably could do it. And or no, I know I could do it. It was just going to take a bunch of time that we didn't really have. So let's just like shortcut it. Sorry, that's what it comes down to sometimes. Because this wasn't like, you know, that whole art versus commerce shit. Sorry, this was commerce. This is how quickly can we get this done and make a dollar and make it a realistic, uh, you know, representation of what the product looks like. And we did. I mean, yeah, I think it's efficiency, right? Like, what in that case, what's more efficient? What gets you, what gets you past the, past the, that part of the job fastest. And, and if the result is virtually the same, if not the same, like on its face, the same, then what, what's the difference? I think the, the question gets a little bit harder, um, or the controversial part of it kind of starts to come up when you start talking about like manipulation, photo manipulation as it pertains to like, like people, models, looks, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's a really, I don't know. I don't think that like, obviously I don't deal with that on that end of it, like the extreme, cause I'm not, that's not where my work lends itself to, mm-hmm. but I do think that every photographer 
that deals with people in some form or fashion will handle a certain aspect of it. So like I shoot like lifestyle and I shoot some headshots, but like that's an element of it, right? Like at what point do you like, what things do you remove or what things do you smooth out? Mm -hmm. And, and how far do you push that envelope? Right. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's the one that over the years I've had to kind of not necessarily like grapple with, cause it hasn't been something that I've ever felt like super, um, I haven't felt the need to push it to the extremes. Like right. the liquify tool is my least used tool. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite frankly afraid of it in, the, in that capacity because I mm-hmm. don't like what it does. Um, but like that's that's I think that's where a lot of that kind of stuff comes from. It's like when what do you what do you promote when you adjust or manipulate an image to that extent, and what what is the effect to the to the people that look at it? What what are you changing from a social? Um, from a social perspective as you know the viewers would look at your thing you know so Um, as a headshot photographer or or, sorry as a guy who does headshots and i'm asking you from one guy who does headshots to another you know um it's inevitable that when you pick up the camera and go to shoot a headshot someone's going to go like oh can you make me lose 15 pounds can you put on your skinny ones yeah right you know like all that (laughs) ha ha ha. great okay (laughs) but i've heard that one before (laughs) but let's come down to it like because you have full ability to do that to make someone look slightly thinner or, you know, less tired or whatever, you know, like remove the blemish. Like, do you, do you personally have a set of ground rules that you follow or is it just like, oh, you're paying for it, so I'll do whatever? <laughs> I like to think that. Where do you I lie mean, ethically? Oh, gosh. <laughs> go deep. Where's my chaise lounge to, to lie in the pillow to hug? Um. I think I I don't know I I think there is a there's a there is an ethical slash moral compass that I kind of have in the back of my head that like guides that direction, um, because like I don't I don't know I don't I don't push images like that. That's not my work. That's not how I like to do things. I I think for me personally, my feeling is that there is a negative connotation to that super end of the retouching spectrum. Mm-hmm. I think it has. Um, consequences and ramifications across like that it, it, it does things to people outside of my my direct purview right in bad ways I feel that way and so it's not something that I desire to be part of mm-hmm. um, which is probably why I don't get hired to shoot those types of gigs which is fine right. I'm okay with that I'll, I'll survive I'll sleep okay <laughs> um, but I think when it comes to like portraits or headshots or lifestyle um, yeah, you're right. There is a certain element of retouching or airbrushing magic air quotes that, that I will, I'll do on an image to clean it up, to, to adjust things to a point that I feel they look, uh, polished. I don't right. think, that, I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, but it, it's never, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't push things like, I don't make people, I don't try to make people look skinnier if they're truly not that way. Cause I think everyone... Right. I think everyone has incredible qualities about them that they should just embrace because that's who you are. That's what makes you you. And that's that's perfectly fine. That's fantastic. I mean, have you seen what I look like? I'm miserably <laughs> ugly looking. So, And I got to live with that every day. So I, I don't know. I, I think that that's kind of what goes on in the back of my head. It's like it's it's blemish retouching. It might be like, oh, I had a, you know, a, I had a blackhead or a zit or something. Right. I, you know, one of those types of situations. That's a hard question, I think to answer across the board because it's very different. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I'd love to know what, you know, someone who shoots high end fashion would, would have to say about that. Um, 
because yeah. I'm sure they have a far different perspective on it that guides that decision making for them. Right. I don't know. Um, I, well, it's funny because most of the fashion, whatever, portrait photographers, they don't, they don't even touch their work after. I mean, like they shoot the true. picture and then it goes to somebody else. And then, and a lot of the times, if you ever read interviews or watch YouTube videos or whatever the hell it is, like you'll see a majority of these guys go like, and girls, sorry, could say like, well, yeah, I mean, I shot that, but I don't really like the way it looks in the end. Like, you know, somebody else took their work and then tweaked the hell out of it. And a lot of them were kind of like, eh, yeah, you know, the one they put on their website is the one that they retouched and made it look like they want to. And, you know, I mean, that, that happens a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that you do, depending on what industry you work in, have a different outlook on what level is acceptable, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I'm not saying that any one is right or wrong. Um, you know, I have, I, I, I have, uh, I have done things for money <laughs> that, that I don't agree with. The um, things I've seen. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've made people literally not look like themselves. Literally. And, and cause you do, you get to a point where after the fourth phone call, it becomes really awkward to say to someone like, Hey, you know, you, you should probably spend the money on a psychiatrist and not retouching. Like you, you have a much bigger issue here and it's something that I can't correct. And you know, I, I joke cause I, I would love to say that to, to most people, but like I've done it. I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole of like, okay, I'm going to make you look totally different and, and I'll do this for you. And cause it's inappropriate for me to say like, wow, you have a issue in your head that you can't see, <laughs> you know, what you actually look like. And yeah, part of me is like, uh, not embarrassed, but I'll use the word embarrassed, like embarrassed that I even did it and that I didn't, but it's not my picture. It's not my, I don't know. I, I, part of me was just like, just fucking do it and walk away. Like, yeah, you know, and like I, nowadays I, I approach it a different way. Like if I'm doing headshot stuff and people are like, hey, can you, you know, f fix my nose so it doesn't look so crooked? And, you know, the quick answer is, yeah, of course I can. But like, I tell people, no, I can't. I tell people all the time, like, oh, I'm not good enough to do that. <laughs> Honestly, it, it's it, here's my belief. If If I make a picture of you, and you put it on your website, okay? And someone sees it and they go like, oh, that guy looks, you know, Ashton looks like he's a pretty decent guy. I'll go see him. And then they show up in your office and you've got like one eye half closed and your nose is pointed in the opposite direction. Like they're gonna, they're gonna have a moment where they're like, holy shit, what happened yeah. to this guy, right? That's what I always try to like kind of deal with. Like it's the idea of like the people see themselves a certain way. I think right. everybody does. I think everybody yeah. has a, a self, like they have a perception or an idea of what they look like to the world. And mm -hmm. sometimes they want it to look better. They, they, they might think certain things are, they might be self-conscious or they might think certain things are great and some things aren't. But then balance that with the actual reality of what people will see, right? So it's like right. you never want that situation where, and I think that's how I've approached when someone says, can you just fix that? And like, well, I think it looks great, number one. Right. That's, that's who you are. And I think that's an incredible piece of you. That's part of you. Mm-hmm what I don't want to happen is for you to push that, to put that representation out there and then it to be false to everybody else, but you, right. Cause that's not genuine. And so I think, I don't know, that's where I've bridged that conversation, but I think you're right. It's like, it's balancing, it's balancing the, those two things. Yeah. Right. The reality versus that self perception and wanting to push their best self out there, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. I think I always go under the notion of like, if what you're asking me to do is a temporary thing, like if you have a, a giant 
freaking pimple or a cut on your face or something like that and it's not going to be there in three weeks like yeah i have no problem i literally have no problem doing that yeah but if you come to me and say like hey can you remove all my freckles man that's like that and i don't have a good answer for it like i you know i'm very bad when it comes to that situation and i'm put on the spot i'm always like uh well i guess we could but really no i don't know you know and that's when i usually default to like man that's really above my pay grade (laughs) yeah well, and I don't know. I think it's it's finding the happy medium that works for you. And then I think it's the work that you put out there, right? So it's like people understand a certain, like they see what you do and they go, okay, so that's the level of, that's the level of it yeah. that I can expect or that, I, you know, that I'll get if I hire David. And I think that's, I think that's where that lies, right? Because, you know, I mean... I don't know. I think with especially with like high frequency separation type of retouching that style of like airbrushing, mm-hmm. it's it can it can go out of control really quickly. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, I think that you know it's to that point you made earlier about how you can show one image to two people and you can get very different different you know um, opinions on it. Like one person might say this is fantastic, this is a great retouch, and some might say no, that's way overdone. Right. Um. And. I, it can change depending on the two people you ask, right? Like no two people will have the exact same, like that's just the right amount. Right. And I think that's what makes it such a touchy thing. Um, so I think if, if I was to like, if I was to just take a step back and like put it in a, in a, put it in its own little box, I would say if, if there is a spectrum, like one being like shot as is 10 being, holy crap, that's retouched. I'm like, a four yeah somewhere like on the low end like i like to just just a little you could yeah. achieve the same things with a really good makeup artist right <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> right i mean i feel like that's fair but then when it yeah. comes to product i think it's different right so if i've done product shoots where it's like i'm gonna this thing is gonna be a, a doozy of pixels yeah. and i think there it's i'm i'm less i'm less bothered by it but again, you're not taking like, you're not taking a, a an oval plate and turning it into a round plate and going like, here you go, everybody. And then when they get the plate, they're like, wait, this is oval. Like you're not changing the shape of stuff. You're not, you know, I mean, like yes, you might shoot a Coke bottle and put thirty extra drops of water on it. But are you taking the bottle and reshaping it and making it look totally different? No, probably no. not. Yeah, I mean, like I've taken food items and made them look fluffier or like bigger. I mean, and I don't, I don't, I haven't lost sleep over that. Like. Here's the other thing, though, because I've done that with food, too. But guess what? The shot wasn't selling food. There you go. That's that's how I felt about it. Like, if I'm shooting a cutting board and they want the sushi to look really fucking primo, like, yeah, I will take that sushi and tweak the hell out of it to make it look amazing. But I'm not selling the, shu- the sushi. Sorry. Um, I would have a bigger issue if they were like, hey, here's our sushi. Can you just make it look better? Like, part of me would be like, well, your sushi doesn't look good, so why... Like, I'm not in that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like when talking this out, like it's very clear that there's no hard and fast rule for this, right? It's no. very much just like a, what? How do I like, feel today? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you feel about this right now? And it could change literally tomorrow. Well, and I think it's, I think what's crazy about it, you know, we talked about this, or I mentioned something about how it's becoming a bigger conversation now, um, or the, the conversation is getting louder. Like Adobe Max was recently and mm-hmm. the big Adobe dog and pony show the big conference where they show off all the new stuff and they had a new feature under photoshop which will show you 
the probability of like it'll tell you how high the probability that an image was retouched and in terms of in terms of color or in terms of like these pixels pixels were restructured so let me let me see this i missed I'm gonna, it I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a line from the story do it <laughs> um because right, both so, could be issues though like i mean it could be cut like color could be the big issue in a photo as opposed to like oh wow this pixel was reshaped or whatnot okay so the tool is called uh, about face and so to simply plug an image into the tool an about face is able to estimate the chances the image was manipulated. The tool doesn't look at the image as a whole, like a face detection algorithm, but rather at the individual pixels. Because of this, can also tell, or because of this, that's not really properly written art sentence, mm -hmm. can also tell you which parts of the image it thinks were manipulated, providing a virtual heat map of the altered regions. It seems oh. designed specifically to capture things made by Photoshop's Liquify tool. Ding, ding, ding. Um, okay. You can see where the pixels have been stretched, squished, and interpolated. And this um, is this is an Adobe thing that you're talking about. It's an Adobe thing. So it's like so, I think the way that they like the way that they demoed it is like you know they had a processed JPEG and they mm -hmm. pulled it in and it's like they ran this tool and they could see that oh the face has been you know I'm using like my hands to do the pull yeah. and push and pull thing. <laughs> so it's been liquefied or something, you know. Um right. or puckered, whatever you want to use. And they were able to undo it. Oh, weird. Which I think is wild weird yeah um and where do you think this where does this fit in with the state of the world where where is this tool necessary <laughs> well and i think perhaps maybe the tool i don't know i don't know what the i where the genesis of this tool came from but i can i can imagine it being really useful for like like pj folks like photojournalists mm -hmm. so like if you are at dap or you work for a media news media operation you know you can detect the validity of a photo mm -hmm. i think that's the part that's like super that's I, I i i haven't heard talked about a lot in the past couple of years and it's mostly because i've shifted i've shifted where i spend most of my time doing photos but like you know when you talk about genuine authentic real photos um in a day of digital photography where everything is more or less shot for the edit right everything is manipulated one way or another hues saturation right luminance all that stuff right news media like they're as as news your 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 decree is to do things truthfully right and so that also accounts for images right images should not be manipulated images should be authentic to what was there now at what point do they draw the line i think this is a conversation that's actually been had but like at what point do you draw the line on manipulation right so like as visual as pj photojournalists go like if you're a visual storyteller at what point are you are you allowed to show what was there with right. photo manipulation, right? Like there's dodging, there's burning. But at what point does that go too far, right? Like that's that's even more, I think that's kind of where this tool probably came from or has the most use. Because I think there was a story recently where um, a photojournalist submitted an image and like won a, won a big award for it like a pulitzer this, or something this happens and, every year it's the world like the world press photos every year they put out the winners and then like three months later you hear like oh yeah this one was wasn't real yeah well and i think that's a really good question because i think that like for that for that end of the world right for that end of our photo world making world identifying and keeping truth is very much at the very top of that list um versus like if you're 
uh, high-end fashion commercial photographer where it's like, no, we're gonna we're gonna pucker up this, we're gonna pucker that arm and we're gonna stretch this right. thing and we're gonna make the fabric look more flowy. Like that's a you know the other end of it. Yeah. Um, so like I can imagine like this tool being like, oh yeah, we work at the AP and I'm just gonna drag a couple images in. Like oh, this one's fake. Dump. Right. I think people get away with it a lot because they th- the the rationale and and it is truth is that like well it could look like this right like you know when you talk about like uh, recutting fabric and making things puffier or flow better in, in, in fashion like it could look like that you know if the wind blew right <laughs> down the street or whatever like we could the fabric could flow like that and and so I think that's what helps certain people sleep at night is they go like well this is possible. You know, as opposed to like when you see some of these these press photos that have been altered, where like you know, I mean, fuck, let's just say it, Steve, Steve McCurry, right? Like this guy has been put through the ringer because he literally like removed people from his photos, or or let's just stop right there. But he removed people from his photos, you know, and like where he removed like stop signs and then like poorly left part of the post in, like. I, you know, to him, he was like, well, it, it was, that part was distracting and I wanted the viewer to see what was really happening over here. And like, that's tough, man. Like, yeah. you know, cause you're trying to present to the world a situation and, and I don't know, like, I think from a photo journalist, from a journalist standpoint, that stop sign was part of the scene. And is it your right to remove it because you found it to be distracting? Yeah. I'm not willing to give an answer on that because I don't want to get yelled at that much online. But um, yeah, those are things that I struggle with. Like if you're if you're reporting to the world and you're trying to trying to show them what's happening and then you change what's happening, that right. doesn't fly. I mean, even something something that's small, like you know, like a stop sign. You know, the the like on a commer- like on a, from a commercial mindset, yeah, I remove signs all the time. Like that sign's distracting. It's removing me. It's removing yeah. my my viewers focus from what I want them to look at, which is my client's thing, whether it be a product or a feeling or whatever. Um, but in a photojournalism world, like th- that very much crosses the line. Well, I mean, maybe depending on who you talk to, I don't know. It, right. It it to, yeah, you're absolutely. I agree a hundred percent that it is so hard. To really, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I can't, I'm having a hard time drawing an actual opinion mm-hmm. on it because, because I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm playing devil's advocate on my own reasoning, right? Like, right. oh yeah, well, on one side you're trying to help viewers understand the story here that you're, that you're depicting or that's happening. But then on the other hand, it's like, but you're doing it under the guise of false falsehood, right? Like, so there's, yeah. there's a, that's a, that's a, that's a weird one. Um, but it's your, it's also your job as a photographer to, you know, show everything in the best possible light. And, and the whole, uh, what's the line that everybody uses? Like, um, you know, it's, the photo is your interpretation of how you saw the scene, right? That, that, that's the escape. That's kind of the escape that everybody uses. Like, well, I remember the sky being this vivid, right? So I've, I've tweaked the colors cause the camera couldn't capture what I saw. Well, okay. Well that, that's your interpretation of how you remember seeing it. You know, like, it's all slippery slope shit. That's the bottom line. Well, and I I think it's going to get even more so as, like, the computational photography end of it, right? So it's like as cameras get more sophisticated and they're able to do more of that stuff. Like, okay, so the Fuji X-Pro3 just came out. Mm -hmm. 
and it has a live it has an hdr function like a built into the to the core right. of the camera it has the processing ability now to actively hdr th- within like it look it works just like the apple one does it's not like overly okay you know that benny hill hdr but like sure sure <laughs> It's, you know, like they showed a picture of an, like the shot with an XT3 of a skyline slash landscape. Mm-hmm. And it's like a city street with a, a, you know, skyline. And it's like white. The skyline right. is bright. It's, it's like there's a hue of blue in it a little bit. You know what I mean? You, everyone's taken this picture I've done before. It. <laughs> the one next to it, X-Pro3, punchy blue sky. Right. Beautiful street. Clouds. Like, the it's, whole nine yards. It's there. And um, same exposure, same lens, you know, same vantage point. And so just turned a feature on basically. Exactly. And because the, 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 the processor in the camera can say, okay, that's a sky based on the, mm-hmm. whatever hue luminance I can measure there. That's a sky that needs to right. be more blue. Cause that's how people would, would see, that's how you perceive it. So, mm-hmm. cause I think it tries to match. I think all these cameras, like iPhones included pixel phone, whatever they try to better, better capture or match what you perceive in real life um, with their own little you know, flexes and stuff. So I think that's going to be even more interesting now, like as cameras become a little bit more, more uh, sophisticated um, and they can resolve more detail based on what they know about things. How is that going to change photography? Okay. That that whole quandary. And this has been going on forever though, because if you, if you ever back in the day or now or whatever shot film, right? Uh, things like you would choose your film stock depending on the situation. That's true. Right? So that, that whole thing with the skyline there and shit, like I'll get geeky for a minute. Like Fuji Velvia has somewhere between five and six stops of dynamic range. And that's fucking it. Okay. You will never be able to make that picture with an exposed sky and a backlit, whatever, you know, skyline buildings on Fuji Velvia. There's not enough range in it to make it happen. So what would you do? You'd pick a different stock and you'd shoot on that. Something that has nine or 10 stops of dynamic range maybe, right? Does that make it wrong or bad or what? You know what I mean? Like it's the same shit, man. Like, you know, if, if I'm shooting a, a Canon 5D4 and I can't make it work and I pick up my X-T3 instead because that camera can make it work, Am I cheating the system here, or am I just picking a better tool for the job? I'm blowing my own mind. Yeah, right my now, mind. By the way. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> like, it, this is this is deep though. This is the deep stuff, you know. I mean, and I, I maybe we're thinking, maybe we're just too thinking too hard on it. Maybe it's maybe it's not so much that. Maybe it's just go take pictures, shut up, and go take pictures. Yeah, I mean that. It, yeah, yes, that's mm. the escape route, and and. It's a very healthy escape route as far as yeah, I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's one I've used many, many times before. I bailed out many times. But no, it, yeah. you, you have that's a really fair point. Um, I don't know. I mean, before we recorded, we started talking about this like a little bit kind of to get briefed on it. But like, I don't know, like I shot, a, I shot some images for uh, of, of, of some, some high-end automobiles recently. And the capture that I came away with, like I captured images on, on the shoot day and they were fine they were okay you know like whatever i captured them with the intent of pulling them into a, a post process where i would dress them up i would work with the light i would work with reflections i would right. take out stuff i didn't like and you know i think i maximized the 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 exposure 
knowing that I was going to fiddle with it on the back end. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not part of the process. The final shot, I think it looks pretty good, but that's not a naturally occurring thing unless you had lots of extra tools. Right. Which I did not have at my disposal at the time. But that's okay. I I saw the shot when you were halfway through with it without knowing anything about it. And, And I thought to myself, well, that looks awesome. Right. And I said to you, I congratulated. That looks awesome. Like nice shot. Uh, I'm going to blow up your spot. You shot it on an iPhone 11. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. iPhone 11. And it was uh, the front end of a beautiful Mercedes. And the fact that you shot it on an iPhone 11 and then like gave it some love in Photoshop takes nothing away from it for me personally. Um, in fact, it's testament to what you do as a, a camera holder guy and what the camera itself can do. And I think that that's kind of amazing like you know the fact that like because it, it is a portfolio worthy shot as far as i was concerned when i saw it it's it's a very honestly the angle and the color is what makes the shot for me not the fact that it was on an iphone or that it had you know 15 layers in photoshop like that just doesn't matter because honestly the original and the end piece were both really appealing to me they both looked really really tasty and made me want to buy a mercedes job well done i mean thank you (laughs) a little bow but i think as like as artists as photographers as people in the image creation process whether you be the art director that says take it from this angle because we need a three-quarter angle or we need a you know that thing like i think that if i was to have delivered the first shot not touched i'm sure an editor would have come and be like you know what can we kill some of these reflections can we kill some of these shadows can we bump this up a little bit you know, like that's that's that per, that person's in that chain of image creation. That was their role to say, like, this is what we need to adjust mm-hmm. to make it better. And I think if you if you try to look at every image that way, like every you know portrait, like Vogue fan, Vanity Fair portrait style, right. you know that kind of thing. Like somewhere in that line, there's someone that says this needs to be tweaked. And sure. And I guess at that point, everyone is on a sep- as close as you probably can be, but still a, sl- a slightly different scale of like, where's too much? Right. What's not enough? Yeah. I mean, as a, as a guy who takes pictures and retouches 90% of the stuff myself, there are plenty of times where I look at a client or on the phone, and I say like, I strongly disagree with you, but I'm going to do this. Yeah. I think it looks better this way as the guy who was hired to make the image. Like, I, I believe it looks better this way. And they, luckily I have good relationships with most, almost all my clients. Or they, you know, they, they say like, hey, we appreciate your decision and, and we'd like to go this route. And it's like, okay, fine. I feel a little bit better at least having made my stake and, and said something. Um, but like, you know, it all comes down to whoever's paying the bill. They're going to tell you what they want and how they want it. And so, you know, especially when it comes to auto stuff, man, like the standard in auto is, fucking out there at this point it, yeah. you know it's it, there's a level of holy cow and um but i also know guys who are just like shooting cars driving down roads and not doing all the crazy reflection retouching all that and I, stuff looks great man like I, to me it's like yeah that's that's what a bmw looks like on a country road at 8 a.m yeah. uh, you know so i guess it depends on where it's being used and how it's being used and and you know, what level of retouching it, it deserves then at that point. But, you know, there's a lot of work that you and I and a lot of other people do that nobody will ever even miss or know about, more importantly, miss, because they just don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big part. You know, like, 
sometimes I have a feeling that like the creative director is justifying his job by just making me retouch stuff. I feel that way sometimes. I feel that that somebody looks at a picture I didn't go, well, you know, I I really just, if there was a little more shadow, you know, and then like you do it and they're like, mm, that's too much. Just pull it back a little bit. And you're like, do you think anybody gives a shit about 10% shadow detail? No. So what are you doing? You're being nitpicky as far as I'm concerned. It's the art versus or, commerce or, thing, right? Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Someone's going to flip through this and see it for like five seconds and a glance. Yeah. Well, so, and we, we talked about this and it's worth bringing up. So in the EU, um, mm-hmm. or I guess in France, I'm trying to look up the story. It, I, I believe it's most of Europe at this most point. I'm not sure though. But like they have a, a law now that all commercial photos that have been digitally retouched have to bear a label that it's been retouched and it all right. in an effort to like combat unrealistic body images, body image and things like that. So like that was, the, I think that's basically why I was created. This is the whole like, yeah, it's like the, the, so yeah, body image thing. So that's the, so that's the, that's the, the big quandary, right? That's the one that starts the really heated, not heated debates, but like that's the one that stirs the controversy that stirs the pot a lot. Correct. It's like, you know, as, as people, that are in the process or in that in that creative realm of making those things for other people to to view and to digest and to see and knowing that some of these things might be aspirational for some other people like what what are you saying and what are you doing to your end viewer right that you that inadvertently you might be doing and i think that's the that's the bigger question that that kind of lives at the very top end of the spectrum the extreme the yeah. fringe which because like you know like I mean how many how many times have we seen recently where the there's been like a was it the Hollywood Reporter or Vogue that had like the extra leg in the in the composite of like all the actors <laughs> yeah. or it was extra arm there was a there was, was a an arm there, yeah, there was a few issues with out. it actually <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like one of those where it's like okay so this somehow this image which was beautifully crafted you know like there was a ton of people on set that made this thing a reality. Mm-hmm. bookers and producers and you know carpenters and all this stuff and photographer and the retoucher and then on the editorial side there's a bunch of editors and photo editors and all that stuff yeah. that made that thing real made that shoot real and there was there was definitely an image that was like a composite like there were images i guess they captured them separately in the composite right, right. but it somehow passed through all of those people <laughs> the extra hand <laughs> yeah and then was caught by the world so, that always blows my mind when it goes through that many does. people and then <laughs> it really I don't does. know, man. But like, does it matter what the reasoning was behind it at this point now yeah. that the world saw it? Like, does it matter why they did the comp? No, everybody's just like, oh, it was fake. Done. Yeah. That's the you only know? thing and, that they will remember from that. Yeah. And I don't, honestly, I, I remember when I saw it, I, I laughed really hard. I think it was, it's Oprah and no, it's Reese Witherspoon. It's a Vanity Fair with Reese Witherspoon and she's sitting on Oprah's lap. That's what it is. And there's just a little extra leg. <laughs> there's also an extra hand. I forgot about that. <laughs> Oprah's got three hands. But maybe Oprah has three hands. I don't know. I mean, it would explain how she Bitches. is able to kick so she's much got, butt. She's got a lot of money. One she extra hand an extra that she can like, <laughs> like rule the world with. Oh, man. No, but like, it's yeah, it's that kind of thing. Like, okay, so clearly that went too far. <laughs> But then somewhere along the way, someone said, no, 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 bring them closer together. No, okay, hi, I want her right. arm over her arm. Yeah, that's the way up, right? Yeah. Like, 
somewhere along the way, someone said, this is the way that this image needs to look. And it needs to have, they need to be close together. They need to, whatever. As opposed to saying, we can just stage them separately. We'll comp them together to one to one comp, but like, right. we're going to stage them to be standing on their own. Or they'll be touching props, but not each other. Right. Things like that. I mean, shit, that's the other thing. It's like, I, I, I'm, I'm imagining... I don't know enough about the story, but I'm imagining that the two of them were there and that Reese Witherspoon was actually sitting on Oprah's lap, I'm guessing, and that they just did a bunch of different shots. And so there's uh, maybe like, oh, that, I, I know that the rest of it was comp, though, because they just couldn't figure out everybody's schedule to get all the actors yeah, it's, and actresses Yeah, I mean, that's a, that a huge undertaking. This happens all the time where it's like, you know, yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll shoot these three people together and then we'll shoot these three people together on the same set and then we'll just splice it together. And everybody seems to go like, yeah, that's okay. Until this happens. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it becomes not okay. Well, so okay, so let's do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this example like super super. I'm gonna like not this, this basic, but I'm gonna bring <laughs> it down to a different spectrum, right? So if there's like, okay. if you have like Vanity Fair Vogue on the super high end of like, okay, that went wrong. So let's go back all the way down to an example of the very very easy one. I think a lot of people can probably relate to. You're taking family pictures. Mm-hmm. You have a, a beautiful family. Parents are there. Yep. <laughs> Bouncing baby, child, whatever. Some <laughs> some young adolescent, okay? They're all sitting. They're all looking at camera. One shot. Everyone looks great, except for the mm-hmm. baby. It's got like a goofy face or it's doing something weird. Second shot you took, succession, right? Yeah. Perfect baby face. Everyone else's is messed up. Yeah. Do you swap faces? Absolutely. Yeah, you've done it before. Always. Yeah. I mean, I think now there's probably like a program that does it for you. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> did you go too far? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're manipulating. You're changing the way that, that that actually happened. Yeah. I've done it. I've done it a lot. You know? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a tough call. Yeah. I, I... I mean, I guess the upside is that no one will probably get bad body image from seeing that image. So there's that, you know, that's right. not that kind of critical, but I mean, I think for the, for the Vanity Fair one, the one that we were talking about, like, I don't think there was anyone, I don't think anyone was like mad about getting skinnied up or anything. I think it was truly just like the extra limbs. It's yeah. Yeah. Not that this means a lot or carries a lot of weight, but this is for me personally, cause I think this is all like, what, what can you live with? Like I can go to bed and sleep at night knowing what I've done <laughs> to my images that's how I, that's how I feel about it. Like I, I can justify it because then of course, like I could be a scumbag and you know, still sleep well at night, I guess if, if my brain worked that way, but like, you know, as a, as a photographer and as a, you know, artist and as a commercial, whatever, like I, I just, nothing has put me over the edge where I feel poorly about it yet. I agree. No, I agree. I mean, I think you, you have to do, you have to do what you're able to live with. And I, I mean, I think that's like, should, should put that on a t-shirt or something. Right. No, I mean like to, to, um, to your point, like, yes, I've swapped a million kids heads on family portraits, but it's not like the kid didn't have a head and I gave him a head. It's right. just the kid was being right. a dick and not looking at the camera. All right. <laughs> so that I feel okay about that. Like if any of the people that I photographed kids for have listening, your kids are not dickheads. They're very, very nice children. Some of them might be dicks. <laughs> no, they're fantastic. They're all fantastic. They're just kids. They don't know anymore. But yeah, like it, I think the, to your point, it's you know, have I swapped? Have I swapped a kid head before? Yes, definitely. I've definitely done it before. 
Um, and because they're tricky, you know, they're hard to get moving or they're, they're hard to get still. Kids and dogs, um, man. That being said, like, I don't think that my edit or my adjustment or my manipulation of that image is going to result in terrible, terrible, you know, self-perception issues, right. right? Like, I don't, I think the, 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 the harm, the harm quotient is super low. Yeah. So I think maybe, maybe this is the, so in journalism, as a guy that went to, to school for journalism and a bunch of J school people can flame me for it later. <laughs> um, it's that whole scale of the maximizing truth to minimizing harm, right? right? Two ends of the spectrum. Where do you want to land on that? You know? Um, and, and what does that look like for you and for the client you work for and, or for the entity you serve, like whatever that yeah. is. Right. Um, and so you just got to be able to make the call that make the call that you can live with, you know? Yeah, that's it. We should get the people that uh, we should get the the team that does all the um, like super high end. Not well, I mean, let's say super high end, but like all the fancy editorial where that becomes a real thing. Just because I'm I'm super curious. I know that there's obviously like I'm I'm I know they have a boilerplate answer for it. Right. But I'm I'm curious to know like for that particular Vogue example we talked about or I keep bat messing it up but whoever whoever that media was right. how it was like at what point was that conversation had in a room where it's like okay so here's what we can do we can we can comp this together and we're going to move this arm into from this exposure into this one without you know Yeah. And and for what purpose? Like, what was the? Because they had to decide at one point. Like, this is to do something. This is to communicate something in this image that we wanted to capture. That we got in one, but we didn't get in another. Yeah. Which is why we're going to do it this way. I'll give them the benefit of that, that there was probably an argument for it. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure that it wasn't really a big deal. Because <laughs> it never <laughs> probably is. Probably not. <laughs> it probably wasn't a big deal, and not so and and so little a deal that they forgot to. <laughs> clear the other arm yeah i don't know i i, I could i could <laughs> literally do this for 10 hours because uh, it's such a interesting conversation and topic to me um oh. if anybody has any sort of feelings i would love to i would love to get a dm where you just tell me i'm stupid and and i want to just hear everybody else's opinion <laughs> on this because i'm curious on this one too i mean l- listener land if if you if you have an opinion on this or if you've thought about if we've made you think deeply into your photo career or your your career in the creative arts, um, like shed some light for us. Like give us give us sh- slide into the DMs and tell us what you think and how you feel about it, and where you guys land on that spectrum. Because I think, you know, the the community. This is a conversation the community needs to have, right? At one point or another, because yeah. it's becoming like the conversation is getting louder and louder. Yeah. And I think it won't be very very long before it is front and center. Um, More so than it has been. <laughs> More so yeah. than it has been. And so I think, you know, we can't improve our industry with unless we talk about the stuff like this where, you know, it's that whole, like, we have stories. we Like, you know, like Steve McCurry, like he has to tell a story. There's a story he wants his readers to see or his viewers to see, but at what cost, right? And so, yeah, sign to our DMs. Get it, uh, tell us what you feel on that one because I think that would be a great conversation. I would like that one. Yeah, I want to hear more. Now that we've made you look deeply into your soul and uh, do some searching, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about some cameras. We haven't talked about cameras we haven't in done forever. this in a hot minute. It's been forever. Um, 
it has been a hot minute. We've been like we've been we've been doing other things. We've been doing life, as they say. You get you get bogged down talking talking gear. Well, it's all the cameras they put out at any given point. There's there's just so many. Right. And none of them are perfect, um, so that's ain't that the truth. Um all right, well let's talk about everyone's favorite camera they love to hate. Everyone's favorite camera to hate. They have a red dot. In love. It's a red dot. It has a red it's dot. A red dot. Let's talk about it. The uh, the new uh, Leica SL2. SL2. I will say this before I say anything else. I'm actually kind of intrigued at the fact that for as much as Leica gets shit on over and over and over again, there hasn't been a single review or YouTube video or whatever that I've watched where someone has said, this is a giant piece of overpriced shit. Everybody's been like, Wow. Like a, you know, is it the best camera? Does it have all the features that cheaper cameras have? No, but everybody's going like, Leica did it right on this one. I think people like to hate on Leica the way they, that people like to hate on Red. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I don't own a Red and I, I will be, I'll raise my hand and say I'm guilty of having thrown shade at right. the Red <laughs> and the Red community at one point. Like, oh, it's just set candy. The only time, you know, it's only so you can impress. Yeah, I get it. And yeah, I've I've been that guy before, and I'm 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 apologetic to it, and I'm sorry. Um, but I I think it's because I don't own one. I think that's why. Because <laughs> I like I think we all covet that kind of stuff. We all want that that kind of kid. Right. We like to think that like our what we do for a living is is uh, you know, requires such great tools. Um. But to your point, like no camera's perfect. They're all tools. They all do things differently, and they excel at some, and you know not so much at others. Uh, and like is one of those things where. Like people love to love to hate yeah. them for whatever reason, and despite the fact that they make incredible stuff, like I I have the I get weak in the knees for um, the M glass. Mm-hmm. Like it's incredibly expensive yeah. and just absolutely bananas, but it's it it's gorgeous. It, the way that it do, it does things that I haven't seen any other glass do right. ever. And I think that's what makes it so special, even if their camera bodies are overpriced and unattainable by most people. Like, it, it does something special. It's the, anyway, it's the, the price SL. of admission, though, right? Yeah. It, it's it's yeah. the price of admission. If you want to, whatever, for whatever reason, they decide to mark up their stuff to a price that they feel comfortable with. And it's, yeah, it's pricey, but their glass doesn't look like anybody else's glass. There's no doubt. You know, it's like when you hold a, well, we'll get to the actual camera in a second, but I got to say this. It's like when you shoot with a, uh, a Zeiss, you know, an Otis or something like that, like that lens looks different than any other lens that I've ever played with. Like it just has a look and a feel. Same thing with Leica. The Leica glass looks different. It does different things. And so if you want to pay the price of admission or if your credit card can handle it or whatever the deal is, rock on. Um, otherwise, you know, hey, there's always Voigtlander. Hey, they make and they make great well, stuff. Not, and, yeah, they make their stuff. Is, their stuff is really nice too. Yeah. Um, All right, but the SL two, it's it's finally. I think the SL one was like uh, a nice camera that was behind the times and overpriced. The SL two actually has some stuff going on, right? So they've yeah. bumped it up. It's like almost fifty megapixels. It does. I'm just going off the top of my head. It does like uh, twenty frames a second. Uh, it does ten frames a second mechanical. Um, you know, it's got a beautiful. Uh, EVF. Um, I actually had the opportunity to uh, hold one for 48 minutes last week um, and play with it. Uh, the the folks at 
PhotoCare. This is not sponsored, by the way. It's the folks at PhotoCare in New York, though. But it can be. It can be. PhotoCare. What's up? Um, Yeah, the folks at PhotoCare got one in and were kind enough to, like, let me come and play with it while the Leica rep was there and chat and talk. And um, it's a beefy little system, man. It, it From the second you pick it up, you're like, oh, whoa, this is this isn't going anywhere. It's a, it's a lovely weight and you can just feel that it's a Leica and it's built really well. And, um, you know, it does a lot of cool stuff, man. Does it do as much as the Sony's do? No, but I don't think you're buying a Leica because you're upgrading your Sony. I think you're buying a Leica because you want the glass. That's the yeah. bottom line. I think you, I think you own a Leica body because you want Leica glass. Yeah. And the only reason that you should be buying one of these is because you're going to buy more lenses, which is tough because at five to seven thousand dollars a piece, <laughs> the you know the like the uh, the Apo Sumicrons are, are they're at five ish right now and they're going up to like six ish once all the cool you know tariffs come into play. Um, it's a lot of it's, well, and I feel like with with Leica glass, it's one of those things where it they don't really depreciate all that much if at, if at all. I feel like like those M those M lenses yeah. for the rangefinder camera system. I mean, they're like 10, 15 years old and they still fetch yeah. like Couple. five to six grand. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's staggering. That, you know, it, it is that old, uh, the old saying of like, oh, you can put any glass on, on, or you could put really good glass on any camera and make great images. Like, I truly believe that. I truly believe if I could take Schneider Kreuznick glass and put it on a Canon Rebel, it would be an outstanding photo. Like, I, I really do believe that. I think there's something in the glass that makes the image appear uh, the way it does. Now we're talking like uh, nano microscopic differences, yeah. you know, like there's that, um, uh, what do you call it? The law of depreciating returns always comes into mind here, right? Depreciating. But I think it, it, it's eye of the beholder, right? Like yeah. to, to someone it might be like, eh, that's not that much better. And someone else is like, no, that's, that's everything. Right. I think honestly, it's like when, when you make that jump to whatever, you're making the jump of the last 5%. Right. It's not, it's like, what was it? There's a line about like, like, it's about like, you know, there are, when you like number grade people, Mm -hmm. like there are, there's no such thing as a perfect 10. There are just really good eights and nines that someone has got it out for, you know? So like same thing with the camera, like no camera is perfect, but to one, to that person it is. Yeah. You know, it's like that little, that whatever that little thing is that separates it in your mind, that's enough for it to push you over the edge. Yeah. And, and you know, that's it. I think the the biggest selling point up, up, above and beyond all specs is that um, it has two UHS-2 card slots. Boom. Boom. Way to go, Leica. You just made nice yourself work. an amazing camera. You're relevant again. <laughs> you've, you've achieved full relevance in this day and age. The, so the, so does the SL mount does that work on that new GH camera the new Panasonic yes, thing, one R. whatever they call it the S series SL one yeah so the the um, so Leica and Panasonic have a partnership where they're using the L mount together yeah so technically you could take Panasonic glass, glass and put it on Leica and vice versa um, so I wonder now if, like this is this should be a great video series let's buy the nice fancy Leica glass and put it on a budget body. I would love to. I have to. EDN, hit us yes. up. 
um full disclosure because I, I otherwise i feel like i'm cheating everybody there uh in last episode um i said this when i look at like that kind of stuff you know i kind of go like oh i need a little more money because i want to buy this you know that leica sl2 is sitting out there that's six grand not that i'm going to buy one by the way and contrary to everything i said uh i now have a leica sl2 um so you know <laughs> so i'm totally biased uh Yep. I had no intention of doing this. Um, But I, I don't know. I saw that 5%. So they got me. Thanks, boys. Um. So now, so just so everyone's clear here, we're going to, we're just going to back that up a second because you're probably like, you probably just did a spit take or you swerved and almost hit something in your car. Um, David Patino is now the elite. Now. He's got the phase. Stupid. The Schneider glass. The Leica glass. It's got all the all the things. Red dots, blue rings. Red dots, blue rings. He's got it all. I'm gonna buy that domain right now. Red do- red dots, go. blue rings. It's mine. And then <laughs> you and like a million other dentists. <laughs> See, there no, it it's is. cool. No, it re- but but like but that's the thing though. It's, I mean, I I I'll I'll be a hundred and ten percent up up front and say that like I can't afford a Leica. I love to hate Leica, but I would love to own one. I, if I could, if I could, if I could separate with that much, like if I could make the investment, knowing that it it would only check the heart box and none of the other ones, right. then I would be there. <laughs> but I think for for me, like I I I can't. Because I mean, like realistically, we would think I've I've spent that much money on a camera system. All in, sure. Like it, this, like dollars in, dollars out. Like you, like if, like if you're gonna claim like, oh, like it's too expensive, but you have a Sony A7R4 and the 7200 and the 85G Master, like you really don't have a lot of room here to kind of point fingers because you just invested like close to 10k in a Sony system, right? So it's like you, you can't. I don't. I don't. Know, I don't think. I don't think the argument on price is an, is truly enough anymore. But I do think that like where the Sony stuff excels or where like, you know, that stuff excels is it's tethered. You can tether it to, to just about any computer. Mm-hmm. You can, it has eye detection. It's got all the video f- feature doodads. It's, it's that stuff. It's, yeah. it's all the other things that make it what it is. Right. It's like, it doesn't now. I think personally, I think the like a, st- like a couple years ago, a good friend of mine, he shoots, um, he's, he's retired photographer now, but he used to shoot weddings full time and he shot all of his stuff on a, like a rangefinder, an M240 and an M9. What were you talking about this guy? And the M9, when he first got it, he spent a lot of money to buy a used M9. I was like, man, that's a lot. I don't understand why you would ever do that. And then he showed me the files and they're gorgeous. Yeah. Like, I mean, even now I think that those files are gorgeous. I think that they're like, the camera's old and outdated right. by technological <laughs> standards, but like, you look at the output and it's incredible. It's stunning. The fall off, the con- like all those little things that we like to argue about on the internet. Th- those things are fantastic. Yeah. And I think that that's where it pushes people over the edge. And so I can totally see the allure. And if I could only check that box just for the heartstrings part, like it makes me feel like things in my chest about yeah. the pictures, then yes. But then the other part of me is like, I also need a tether and I need, like, I like the eye focus thing. And yeah. Like I like having cheap batteries and cheap lenses and being able to rent stuff when I need it. Like I can't rent like a glass. Right. Nowhere that I know of can rent like a glass. Right. Easily. 
But like I, I have a Fuji kit and I can go on to lensprotogo.com, not sponsored, but if you <laughs> want to, you could let us know. Um, and, and just be like, oh, I'll get the entire lens lineup, you know? And I think that's what, that's what fuels my investments or my yeah. camera purchases. It's like, how well does it play into my workflow mm-hmm. and how, how much value can I extract from that expense? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that's going to do it for us at Office Hours. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening along. We, we always love uh, your listener comments and questions, so please keep sending them our way. You can slide into our DMs. Um, you can find David at David A. Patino on Insta mm-hmm. and pretty much everywhere else on social. You can find me at Ashton Stan. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess at this point, you already would have had a good Turkey Day slash Black Friday, so hope that went well, and we will see you guys in the next one. Peace. Later.